G'day, listeners. It's Peps. And tonight we have the 2022 Collingwood season preview. Will it be the season for the Magpies to swoop back into the top eight? Or will it be another year where they leave with their tail between their legs? I can't answer that one for you, but I've reached out to two of the sharpest minds around (laughs) the black and white. We've got Sly. We've got Spook. They're the hosts of the Collingwood Rant. Gentlemen, welcome to Lace Out. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, thanks, Peps. Now, I must say, last year, the feedback that I got about you two was overwhelmingly just love. Terrible. Love. No, not ah. terrible. They just love the love that you had for Nathan Buckley. So I need to ask, now that he's not there, have you still got the Bucks love fl- flowing through your veins? I loved him as a player. Still love him as a player. As a coach, oh, maybe not so much. Hater. You're not, you, you, weren't, you weren't as much yeah. a hater, were you, Spook? Um, no, more of a more of a quiet uh, annoyance, really, more than anything. Hey, so I, will, I don't like to express my uh, anger out loud all that often. I will mention though, with his commentary, if I hear him suggesting things he didn't do as a coach, then I will go ballistic. <laughs> then you're going to explode. Yeah. He's already started. He's already started. <laughs> yeah, it's a good idea to do this and do that, and you're like, hmm. Hold on a second. What made me laugh about your one game that you had last year? It was against the Ds. You did beat us up in, at, in the traditional Queen's birthday game at the SCG where it was Bucks's farewell game and you went out and demolished the Ds and you sit back and go, now, you know, if you had done this more than just once, a bloke could still be here. It was like they're hugging him, see you later. Like, Mate, you got this guy, let go. Like he, he quit because of this. Yeah, it's probably it's the most weirdest, weirdest situation. But that saying, new coach, where's it going to go? What have you heard so far? Give us your, give us your little overview of how the preseason has gone. What's the outlook from your perspective about the Pies, and most importantly, Craig McRae? Well, it's good that we're getting the injuries in early. Um, we don't want to leave those too late. We've got a few and suspensions. Don't suspensions. forget your suspensions. So we're doubling up and shout out to the AFLW team who's also doing it in, in support of the AFL team. So they're also getting the injuries in. Uh, watching the game against JWS, I didn't notice it as much against uh, the Hawthorne game because I was drinking. But um, <laughs> against the against JWS, I actually noticed they have sort of a bit of a system that Matthews employed at Collingwood in the 90s and which he did at Brisbane, which is running in waves and having these cascading numbers. Yep. So there's obviously a lot more intent to move the ball quickly and forward and directly rather than what they did last year where they went from one wing to the other, then back again, and then back again. Um, so it's good that he's trying to get some quicker ball movement in there because you have players who you know can use the ball, you have a, bit, a little bit of pace and all that, and just the simple reality is move the ball forward into the forward line. Unfortunately, watching that GWS game, we still – Skill errors, Terrell were going inside forward 50 um, and dominated large passages of play and just didn't convert it to score. So obviously we're a work in progress, but we'll have to see how that clicks together over the course of the year. Yeah, so you went 6-16 six and 16 last year. You had you actually had the 14th best percentage even though you finished second last. So you were able to get a, a bit of a score on the board. Um, I think I think that's the opposite. I think we just bored some teams to low scores. So I think we probably kicked about three goals in the game, and maybe Geelong kicked like five. So they weren't blowing. Yeah, they weren't blowing. Warm up, Telly. Was that pretty desperate? What was that? 
they started to include the warm-up telly. Oh, no, no. We slot through four uh, before the nets come down. Um, they were on the scoreboard. Well, you, you remember now, you've, you've, everything should be solved because we found out what the biggest issue was, and I can't, um, can't believe that they never worked this out. It's, it's Mason Cox. Now, oh, now, he's, now he's got the, the glasses on. Now he's got the visors on. Now, now he's got the superhero gogs. Like he's already destroyed Richmond's chance of going at a four-peat. What's he going to do to the rest of the competition now that he's got the, uh, the black sunnies on, the, uh, the hope? Because he was a bit of a coach killer. Is he now going to be more of a premiership threat because the big fella has finally been able to see the ball? Oh, watching that Hawthorne game, I was thinking maybe there's something to these glasses. And watching the GWS game, it was like, yeah, I don't think so. Well, he's got the wrong ones on for that game. Uh, look, the thing with Cox is move the ball quickly to him. Too many times under Buckley, he was just standing there with four players hanging off him. You're bombing it to him. Uh, he has games where he just gets his hands to it and he just drops it. About, you know, being a premiership threat or you know, riding his back to a premiership, <laughs> we're going to need a bigger back, a lot bigger back. I've, I was surprised. He has only played three more games than Brody Brady Mychek. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's about right because they sort of came to get, uh, what, 218? They sort of both came on. Yeah, I uh, just didn't think they persisted that much with him. Uh, there's been passages that they've persisted and then Buckley sort of lost faith in him and he was dropped and then there was desperation and brought him back. I mean, the reality is they just don't have anyone else. Yep. Who, you know, they had Ben Reid who they kept bringing him back in um, so he could break down and then they could just throw him back out and then they'd bring him back in for another breakdown. Uh, the key forward recruiting over, you know, the last, I don't know, and yes, it's been pretty average at Collingwood. We just don't seem to invest that much faith in tools. Um, and when we go from it's it's with like a lower pick, you know, it's like a 30 pick or a 40 pick. Yep. So, I mean, Cox gets a lot of flack, but I mean, unfortunately, I think, I don't think he's a forward. You know, I think the reality is he's a seven foot tall Ruckman. If everyone, anyone could just get a seven foot tall player to be a full forward, everyone would be doing it. Yep. You know, he, he plays that position like a ruckman. He'll have that one really great game and then he'll just have like two or three where he doesn't really do that much. And then you'll have another great game and everyone will go, why doesn't he do this all the time? It's because he's a ruckman. Oh, I, yeah, I don't get it. I don't think anybody gets it. I don't think Collingwood supporters have any idea what his best position is. But look, I'm looking at your group here. The same names tend to keep coming up. Pendlebury, Sidebottom, Hal, Grundy, Adams. Hoskin Elliott, Maynard, Moore, Dugowie, and we'll get onto him in a moment. So, you know, you look at the names and you, there's a talent on the park, but what happened last year? Was, was it all injuries? Was it that no. there was just dissension at the club? Oh. Was it the report that Eddie broke out? Was it the proudest day in the club's history? Is oh, It's just everything on and off the field was a bit of a debacle at lead on to, to the results pretty much. It's an amalgam of all things above. Yep. I think it's, it, it's it, it, you hit a point where eventually I think everything just breaks and then starts to, it's a chain of, of, of things unraveling. And, um, you know, that, that debacle with the do better report was probably the, the catalyst for everything. And I, I mean, I, I think we'll hear more about it over the next year or two, but um, there'll be more stories coming out about how unsettled um, everything was behind the scenes. I mean, I think the other thing, we mentioned it on the Collingwood Rand. In 2018, we played this, for the first time in Buckley's tenure, we played this really good, um, basically a Richmond game, just moving the ball quickly, giving those medium-sized forwards every chance. You know, all the forwards kick like 30-plus goals. I don't know why, but then there was a shift in mentality to play more of a possession game in 2019, and it just started to break down. And 
when they were possessing that they just couldn't find a way forward. So then they just go sideways and all that. And over the course of from 19 to 20 to 21, it just continually broke down. And then it reverted to what we saw on the Buckley, you know, 215, 214, 216. You'd have that one great game where you beat a Melbourne, you know, a top team, for example. And then you'd play a bottom four team the next week and you'd get smashed. And you'd just go, you'd go, I don't know what's happening here. Their system isn't working. It, it's not cohesive consistently. Um, so I'm not sure what they moved away from the 218 formula. I, I mean, I suspect because they lost that grand final in the last 90 seconds, they thought we need to learn to control the ball a bit better. Uh, and but, but control said, in the last two minutes, not the whole season. Oh, I keep saying well, it. doesn't matter how good your, your game plan is. If you don't have the cattle to to carry it out, if you don't have a high, highly skilled team, a possession game plan is not going to work. Well, that's a really good point. You'd think that a coach who was probably one of the best kicks I've ever seen would go look at some of those players and go, they can't kick the ball like me. So I shouldn't expect them to play a game plan that I could execute, but, you know, they're struggling to hit someone 10 metres away. So I would have rather they just kept playing the 2018 game style. It seemed to work for them. Um, it just fell short in the grand final. That's pretty Not good unusual, for that's pretty good for Collingwood. That's that's pretty much where they get nowadays. It's taken the last off. six years. Yeah. So I think, I mean, as Luke said, there was a lot of things, but I think the breakdown in system really just, they regressed. And you saw them last year. They, they actually looked lost. They didn't know how to move forward. They had no idea how to move the ball forward. It was sort of comical and tragic at the same time. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, it's, it's all, it's endemic of though, of, of a system that's, that's in shutdown. And I think that, you know, it goes all the way back to the top where the messages just aren't being heard, um, what direction is being given, it's just not being bought into. It's just, an, uh, like I said, an amalgam of, of different reasons, apart from the fact there was a lack of skill execution as well, obviously. But um, yeah. I think a lot of it's above the shoulders last year. But you, know, I mean, you have those uh, epic wins like you did against Melbourne and, and that was it. I mean, the other thing too is... You can go is- ahead and lose. You can lose the unlosable at the MCG against the Suns. Yeah. I would say that would be in the low point for the season because you would have thought just walking in, beautiful day, we've got this covered, and they just played out of their skins. Collingwood uh, did look lost, like you said, that day. They really look lost. I'm just trying to – there's a lot of low points, so it's hard to sort of single out one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> How much bandwidth on the internet tonight? Uh, I've, got, I've got 100 gigs, so I reckon we might be able to at least get the first half of the season done. I mean, the other thing, too, is you sort of, you know, you had Tom Phillips who played as a prolific wingman and then suddenly he's a defensive forward. You had Dacos, Josh Dacos, who played as a breakout or had a breakout season in 2020 as a winger and suddenly he's in the middle where he's slight and doesn't have the body strength to compete against bigger body midfielders. So there's a few positional changes which, you um, you know, just made you scratch your head. And obviously they had three players who left and that really hurt the depth. And the way they drove him out, I'm, I'm sure that that would have, Fractured morale, you know, to yeah. drive three players out like that. I mean, it was four with um, a two also, but, you know, it's just, that Spook said, so many things went wrong. It, it was, if you weren't a Collingwood sport, you'd be watching again. That's just beautiful to watch. As a, <laughs> as, as, as a, Finally, it happens, to a, it happens to another club at ours. Yeah, it was, it was shocking all the way through. So let's, let's look at this year. Is, is there anything at the moment that you're hanging your hat on going, okay, I can see something there within the uh, group? Aside from Nick Dacos. Ex- except for Nick Dacos. Because, look, we don't want to put too much pre- – we don't want him to become the next Jack Watts and get absolutely <laughs> manhandled again in his first game. There'd be nothing better from a Melbourne perspective than to see Petrarca, Oliver, Jackson, and, oh, let's throw in Jack Viney, just crunch him in the first tackle. 
when he gets the ball, just to sort of relive what they did to us. But outside of outside of Dakes, is there anything else that's you know you, you're hanging your hat on? Like is is, is Grundy looking fitter? Is uh, Jordan Dagona looking any better? Is I don't I don't know because I I, I can't see it at the moment. I think it's just really the transition. This is that that phase they had sort of from, um, you know, after the 202-203 grand final losses, they realised they're not good enough and they have to make a, you know, go through a rebuild. Uh, they brought in a lot of young talent there. How good that young talent is, I don't know. But it's really sort of you're building for the future, which I'm sure if everyone stayed on the park, we could make finals. But it is Collingwood, so I'm not expecting We've already don't have, you know, four or five players in the park. So... Um, it's really about just pumping games in the kids. Hopefully, you know, as you said, I mean, hopefully protect some of these kids from being crunched, you know, um, especially the guys who were just brought in, they missed a lot of third-tier football because of COVID for the last two years. So it's really just about cultivating and, you know, not just Nick Day guys, you get guys like Oliver Henry, Phil A. McRae, um, you know, all these young guys that have been there for a year or two just sort of hope or show us that there's something for the future. And they haven't been able to get. They haven't been able to go out and play their VFL football, like you mentioned. And every club's seen it, where you see players, they need to not just from a development, but from a confidence perspective. So yeah. if they do get called up to the big game, they know, okay, I've been able to have a lot of them haven't been able to do so. Victorian wise, other states maybe a little bit different, but that, that's a tough one to sort of sit back, you know. And these kids are coming in without any form, playing intra clubs day in day out. And, yeah, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, Spook, I mean, he knows someone at another club who just talked about the sort of training they were doing during COVID, which is basically glorified kick-to-kick because they couldn't really do anything else. So, you know, it's okay for the regulars who are playing every week and, you know, have that grounding behind them. But for the young guys, I uh, just imagine it'd be terrible. Like, they should have had like 40, 50 VFL games behind them now, but they're still, you know, only got like 5, 10. Yeah, and there's some that may not have even played any. If they yeah. were injured at the start of last year, they wouldn't have played any because it was cut so quickly. Um, all right. I've got to ask you about just a couple. Just give me Jamie Elliott, right? We know he's almost a barometer for that forward line. Like he can do anything, but he's, he's pushing 29. He'll be yeah. 30 mm. by the end of the season. How much longer has this guy got? Because he's not the most uh, safe when it comes to the body. Um, I don't know. I how, much, I- how much of your forward line still hangs on him? Uh, Spook, you want to take that one? It's <laughs> a fair bit. I mean, it's funny, like you mentioned it, um, the, the durability. I was watching the, the GWS game and I think he was crunched in the first 10 minutes and it took him a while to get up. And I think that's how you, you tend to view him as a player. Like he's, he's, he's dynamic. He's got all the talent in the world. He's skilled. He's attacking the foot. He's hard. But you just think every crunch, that's the one. And then if he gets up and moves on, you just sit there and you're waiting for the next one that takes him out. In fairness, um, there's a few kind of players in that category who you just think physical contact is a big worry. Um, how will their body take it? I mean, I think it's time to think about renaming the club Balsa Wood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have, I told you we got the best here, listeners. Balsa Wood. Oh, maybe Colin Wound. <laughs> uh, so I, call, I call him Colin Wooden. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's 29. He's missed two years with back injuries. He's had a lot of soft tissue injuries. So, I mean, the thing that worries me at 29.30 is the end can come really, really quickly. You know, Nathan Buckley won the Brown line, we know, free, and that was pretty much his last full season. You know, 04, 05, he's out with Hammy. So, 06, he played most of the year, but he was managed. 07, he missed the bulk of the year. So, 
at that age, you don't know what longevity is. And it doesn't take long for that, that to hit. Like I think we spoke about with Geelong, they've got 12 players over the age of 30. When that yeah. hits, it's going to hit them hard. We think it's not going to hit wait to the end of the year. I think it's going to hit about maybe two-thirds of the way. Oh, it's just even players. Colder months. Yeah. yeah. Even when players just lose a step of pace, you know, and then whereas they had poise previously and then suddenly they're rushed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's sort of the worry when you get older players. We actually have a fair few there that are like over 28. You know, Elliot, Sidebottom, Pendlebury, Roughhead, Howe. Uh, even Grundy's like 28 or will be 28 during the season. Um, and Can I ask you, you quickly about him too as well? Yeah. With Grundy. Ever since he signed the mega contract extension, hasn't done anything, has he? The last two uh, years, has he been poor the last two years? Or is it, is it just the, the way no, that no. People, people see it? No, he's been poor. Um, he's, he's, I think gets a little bit worked out at rut contests and he doesn't adapt. He just keeps trying the same thing. Uh, I think it was last year he had a lot of what are called journeyman ruckmen just sort of tussle him and he'd, he'd stand there and wrestle with him rather than saying, hey, I'll come here from the other side or whatever the case might be. Uh, I mean, the biggest problem with Grundy's always been he gets 115 taps, but how many of them go to his teammates? Uh, he generally is, is problematic as a ruckman because he, he plays so well as a rucker over, but as a ruckman, you want that Max Gorn type. Do tap it to your teammates, take marks in defence, take the occasional one up forward. That's what a ruckman's job is. Oh, anything else is a bonus. So I think with Grundy, hopefully now that they have a different coaching panel there, they'll actually work out a better system uh, that will also protect him too because he, 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 he just gets run into the ground. Oh, he's been running into the ground also. But he, yeah. the last two years have been pretty average for him. Yeah, it was funny that, when you were talking about the, uh, yeah, sorry, keep going, system. Please. If there's something implemented there that's going to help him uh, become a better ruckman, then, then yep. that's the last hope. Yeah, it's just um, – Putting the Collingwood players in the opposition jumpers, that could probably help him. <laughs> or wearing, or just, uh, wearing Cox's glasses. Or just maybe do the complete opposite of what they are normally oh, going to do. They could do the George Costanza. They could. Because you have a look last year. You were ranked second in marks per game. When you got a high possession game, you're going to get that. Yeah. Uh, you were ranked fourth for hitouts per game. So he was getting his hand on it. Oh, he'll definitely get his hand to it. Yeah. But fifth yeah, for Clangers. There is a when you got a high possession game. Yeah. About you know hit outs to advantage. We don't record that. You, you can smash the ball two hundred times, but if it's, if it's only ten of them that go to your, uh, your teammate, it's what, what's the two hundred mean? And I recall I looked at the stats about midway last year. He was on top for hit outs, but he was just on top for hit outs to advantage. Even though you had so many more hit outs, and you would have thought that if he's getting that many more hit outs, he should have a lot more to advantage. But he was really just, and he was up there with some, you know, like uh, who's the Carlton ruckman that Perrocket or whatever the hell his name is, isn't it? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, you know, uh, um, he was just in front of him. You know, and it's like that guy's a young player it's, uh, in terms of he has to advantage. So it really is. You need a much better system in terms of capitalizing on his rock dominance. Yeah. Um, Taylor Adams, is he just growing? Like, he, he was a good player at GWS, but is he just growing? Is he the next captain? Do you see? I'd say the age profile might be a little bit of a worry. It'll depend how long Pendlebury hangs around. Yeah, he'll be he'll be 29 by the end of the year. Pendlebury yep. with that so-called basketball background, which I heard for the first time this week. Um, he'll be oh, he's only you know he's just turned 34. Yeah, I mean, as I said, I mean, don't know when he couldn't have come. much more left in him. No, but he just seems but he seems to still be one of your best players, regardless. Like if you have a look at your BNF from last year, 
Crisps wins it. Maynard second. Mr. Basketball himself, Pendlebury, comes in third. Oh, there's a lot of injuries. I mean, I think last year, if he didn't get injured, Darcy Moore would have won it by a mile. He got injured yeah. about halfway through the year, and I think he came six. Um, the thing with Adams, he's just been a battering ram his whole career. So, again, how, how long is his career going to be? You know, he might, he's very much like, you know, Nathan Jones was for you. He'll throw his body on the grenade. Uh, so it's, you know, how fit's he going to stay? Uh, I think, like, Darcy Moore will probably be the next captain. Yeah, I agree. If he stays at the club. Oh, oh, oh! Is that inside word there, Sly, or is that what you're? No, no, just Darcy. Darcy and Jordan the go will be up for free agency at the end of the year, and so I mean, I'm hoping they stay, but you know, who knows? They might just look at and go, "This cop's four years away on the plane of flag. Let me go to somewhere that might do it." And I, yeah, I actually think you've got to seriously contemplate that with one of them. Yeah, you know, and get... oh, I know which one I'd cut loose. Yeah, uh, well, I mean. Darcy's dad went to Melbourne, as you'd know, yeah. uh, but he's always regretted not being a one-club player. So, I mean, you know, how much that influences Darcy? But like I said, if they're looking at a four-year rebuild and Geelong comes knocking and goes, we might be up there again, and you're a little bit young for us, but we'll take Ooh, you. Oh, yes, he, he's – no, 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 no. He's not in their age profile. No. Um, you, you would have saw that during the, the trade period this year where they get kids in the early 20s out and they bring in a 35-year-old Ruckman. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's definitely not – yeah. Maybe four years later, when he yeah. hits that, has the three in front, not the three at the end, um, then he'd be more or he's suited. But geez, could there be any more frustrating player, you know, for, for clubs outside of the eight than Jordan Degoe? Like he must, he must give you guys meltdowns, whether it's in, in season, outside of season. What's going uh, on with him? Where, where, where do you see his best spot? Uh, midfield. Going forward, I think, yeah, is definitely. where his future lays. I mean, last year, from the second half of the year, when he was moving in the midfield, he actually had a really good season. Mm. But the problem is that off-field stuff. It, you know, when, when it pops up, nobody's surprised. And you're thinking, geez, you know, you're 25, 26. He's going to be 27 in a few weeks' time. Yeah. So, you is know, he ever going to learn? Yeah. Well, that's the big problem, is he? Um, you're getting paid the big bucks and you're commanding big dollars. You should be a leader at the club for the younger players coming through. When does this end? Um, so that would be the huge – and I know a number of Collingwood supporters who feel just offload him at the end of the year because he's just too risky a proposition. I mean, I'd prefer to keep him, but, um, yeah, I understand that sentiment, though, because well, – What are you going to get for him? And that that's the thing. What would you give up for him? Would I don't know if I could see many clubs, top eight-wise, paying first-rounders for him at 27. Well, it'll be a free agent, so it'll be whatever compensation. Oh, you, oh yeah. Sorry, I'll take that back. Yeah. yeah. So he is free agent. So yeah. they're going to, yep, all right then. Which is probably there'll better. Be somebody, there'll be somebody, yeah. You'll yeah, get something be back for him. Yeah, it'd be better for Colin because if we traded him, we'd probably trade him for like a pick 20 and pay half his salary for the next seven years. So <laughs> it's good that we take that out of our hands and make it someone else's responsibility. Don't forget you sound like you've had a recent, a recent situation where well. you're, you're doing that. Would that. Is there anyone that we should know about that? You know, Collingwood might be paying their salary. Oh. Playing for the red, white, and blue. With, I, I with think, amateur law, were you sad to see him go or, you know, okay, it wasn't yeah. I was sad to see him go. But for me, anybody's tradable, but then get their worth and don't pay a third of their contract or whatever the case is. So that's what frustrated me. Um, so, you know, the way they got rid of him, I thought was really poor. Yeah, I agree on that. 
Yeah, and I think Stevenson as well too. Like he, he's had one bad, one bad year. How many players had a bad year due to COVID? About like bad two years due to COVID because of everything being. Well, the thing with Stevenson, he had a terrible year and he was still like our second leading goal kicker and he played like, I don't know, 15, 16 games. So imagine you got him right. Um, Now, whether there's greater problems behind the scenes, don't know. We'll we'll see at Melbourne uh, at North. He's already had a few incidents at North, like falling off his bike and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. We've all done that, though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but not on 500. Footy cars get stuck in the spokes. Oh, Oh, yeah, when the the spokey-dokies get caught in the chain, that's it. It's all over. The biggest tragedy of Stevenson is pick six. So that's pick six that's gone out of the club for what a pick twenty-five or something. Yeah. You would have hoped that the pick six would be a ten-year player. Yeah. So that's gone. Um, so whether Stevenson was a problem uh, and they didn't feel like could manage him, it, it's just a real you know impact to the list and for our rebuild. Yeah, it's a tough one. But hey, let's let's look to the future because I tell you what, you mentioned this bloke a little bit earlier on, Nick Dacos. You could wish you had. Oh, you wish you had 17 Nick Dacoses and a, and a, a Pendlebury who was 10 years younger. How good is this guy in your eyes going to be for Collingwood? Uh, some of the stuff he's doing is very reminiscent of his dad and his best. You know, like they mentioned that one turn he did uh, being like Pendlebury-like and it was like, no, no, it's exactly like his dad. His dad at that time um, always seemed to dummy, you know, players always seemed to go where you directed them and he just turned the other way. Dual-sided, which is awesome. You know, I recall Peter Dacos in about 88. He was having a really good start to the year, and I was saying, how are you dealing with the tags? He goes, I just play on my opposite side because he was so beautifully talented on both sides. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, Which is which is a rarity these days. Yeah. A so, rarity. Yeah, and, you know, he's done a few things which just – he's already shown that composure on the field that, you know, it usually takes you, you know, 40, 50 games to develop. So it's just about protecting him and bringing him up gradually. Um, Beautiful. Yeah, and, and he, he'll be he'll be straight in. He'll be straight in round one, won't he? Oh, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, definitely. I mean, you would have been straight in last year, so I don't think our list has gotten better since last year. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think so, been straight in last now, year. Now, I must well. admit, his brother's actually even. I must admit, I've, I've been watching his brother a little bit as well too, and I don't mind him. Like when he first started, I wasn't too sure, but I've just watched him grow over the last couple of seasons as well too, Josh. Yeah. Yeah, he's, when you, when he's, he's not just he's not just a day cost. He's becoming his own player now, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. yeah, I reckon yeah. having those two boys in the same same team that, that is actually kind of special. So, I mean, very I lucky. Mention, Hang your hat on that one for a moment. Yeah, I'll actually mention to the two Browns. I actually think they'll have good years this year because, well, I, like, I don't think Callum was a world bearer or anything. But when he first came on, he showed some composure. He tried to make yep. the play, and then just over time, he became really confused and frazzled, and it was like. He'd been over-programmed with too much information and his instincts, his natural instincts had gone all right. So I'm hoping those, well, not just those two, but everyone else, but those two really sort of sent the suffer. I'm hoping those yeah. two really step up. And Tyler's shown some, Tyler had a really good game on the weekend. Did he break, yeah. did he break his arm in the first game he played or? Tyler, I think, broke his, I think, no, Will Kelly broke his arm. Oh, sorry. Um, I, I knew something broke the first game that they played. Uh, if you just said someone broke something at Collingwood, you're going you're gonna to hit somebody. <laughs> so you'll be right. Don't worry about that. Um, who else has got you a little bit excited too, what you've heard from the preseason, what you've seen as well too? Because there's obviously not just not just the, the, the brothers, the Browns and the Dacosses. Who else uh, sort of caught your eye? I liked the look of uh, Kruger. Just yeah, the, same. I was going to say him. Yeah, yeah. What type of player is he? Um, he's a competitive-looking beast. He's, he's attacking yeah. the footy was was – Really good to watch. 
I mean, but it was, uh, I think once he realised he was wearing a Collingwood jumper in the first half, he then tried to uh, to end it all by uh, colliding headfirst into someone. Um, but, yeah, if we can psychologically get him over the uh, stigma of wearing that jumper, he, he could be very, very um, valuable to us, I think. Luke, he's, a, he's a big boy, 196 and 86 kegs, but that 86 kegs is probably pre-season weight. Yeah. He reminds so me of the- stacked on a couple more. Yeah, he reminds me of Lee Browns, knowing that he's yep. a big guy, and if you're in my way, that's your fault, which I yep. really like, because you get yeah. sometimes big players who don't play with that intent because they're so big they're afraid, or well, not afraid, but a little apprehensive they're going to crush someone. So really like the looks of him. Uh, some of those young guys like Oliver Henry, you know, I thought he played a really average game, still ended up with three goals, so it's about being in the right position. Um, Ginevan was another. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's on the rookie list as well too, so yep. he's played his five games last year as well too. So he's – you look at your list profile, because even if you look at your list profile, you know, from an experience side of things, you're sitting 10th on the ladder, so averaging around about 62 games across the board. Yeah. But it's kind of interesting. You've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 players who have played more than 100 games and the rest haven't. So okay, if yep. you take yep. out Pendlebury, Sidebottom, and Howe out of that list – oh, sorry, and Jordan Ruffhead, that drops not from 62. That goes – a lot less yeah. as well. Mm. So there's a difference there. And your age, you're sitting at um, 13th, so he's you know, 24 and a bit. So it's like I said, if you, there's that anomaly with the age. If you drop those ones out, you, you are in that rebuild factor. And I think yeah. maybe there has to be, yes, well, do you just want to come out and say, look, we are rebuilding? They've obviously got the new coach in. McRae would be, look, we're hoping to go forward. We'd love to play finals, but we've got to put the realistic hat. We've got to get the Mark Neald reality bus. I is it would- going to be – one of those things or just say, hey, listen, you've got to be patient. We've lost a lot of experience. Got to blood these new, new ones in. I, I would rather they were pessimistic. I, I don't yep. want them believing there's a quick turnaround and maybe yep. even taking shortcuts. I think it's a long-term rebuild. They've got to get some higher picks in there also. I'd rather they just, you know, I won't say tanks, but I'd rather have had a developmental year or three pumped a lot of games into these kids, um, had, kept some of those older guys around as a framework. But I, sometimes I worry just the messages coming from the clubs, they seem to believe they're probably not as far away from bouncing back into the finals as they think. Um, and one of the problems too, you go back to that fire sale, losing Trelaw and Stevenson and Phillips. I mean, they're the sort of mid-age players that you need in the side too. And, and so you've lost three of those. So you you've brought in Lipinski. But um, the other guys you brought in are just equally young. So, I mean, that Charlie Dean was looking good and yep. realising he was at Colling, but he slipped on a banana peel and did his leg. So he's out for about 10 weeks. Uh, and at, t- at Colling with 10 weeks is more like about four years. So, uh, But I'm just hoping they're realistic about their appraisal of where they are and where, where they want to be going. Because, I mean, the other thing too is I don't want them to come up being a good side not good enough. I mean, you saw the grand final last year. Oh, did you watch that game? I'm not sure. But um, I've watched it a few times. Yeah. Watching it, like the, the Bulldog side seems like a pretty quickly put together side. There's no genuine spine there. Whereas the Melbourne side, you, know, you went out and got Lever. Um, you went out and got May, who I really wanted at Collingwood. And then McDonald's there, Brown's there. You know, you got Gorn. You got a really good midfield. And then just sort of you sprinkled it with all these, you know, other players, and it's just a really well put together side. If psychologically you keep your heads, you should dominate for the next four or five years at least. Um, whereas the Bulldogs, you know, they're key, uh, sorry, Lord and more of a flanker type forward. 
Uh, Bruce, even Bruce is sort of not a genuine key forward type. Uh, and they're the key defenders are not real genuine key defenders. It's one of these hodgepodge sides. And they're, gonna, they're always going to be good, but they are they going to be good enough on the day? And that's what I don't want because I've seen yeah. enough of that at Collingwood of bringing up yep. valiant sides. And you go back to, I always say, you go back to 2018, you had a grand final team where the full forward was Cox. So that's an American basketballer who didn't know what football was five years ago. Yeah, but you mind you, five, he dominated Richmond. And we just, yeah. we, I love just bringing that up. The only team that's ever been coxed is Richmond. Then you had that Mike, was one of the best nights of football I've ever been oh, to. Yeah. Then you had Majek, who, um, you know, he was rookie as a defender. You had Howard, centre-half back, who's, you know, obviously got a great mark and all that, but he's not yep. a, a genuine key defender. And you had Tyson Goldsack as your full-back. And so they had a couple of injuries, but it was really sort of a patchwork side. And West Coast You'd really rather have a side that's virtually even across. So they're even – they may not bat as deep in the midfield, but they've got some genuine firepower up front. They've got some solidarity down back, and yep. they're going to work with the midfield. So have that type of spread than having – I don't want to go on about the Bulldogs, but having a really deep midfield, but you're thinned out at both ends. Yeah. You know, and then you end up getting a lot of players sort of undersized or underweight, and they play those key positions. I mean, I've always been a big fan of Tyson Goldsack, but, I mean, he just wasn't strong enough for Kennedy on that day, you know, because Kennedy is genuinely a, you know, a strong key forward. And, Gold Sacks are the utility flanker type. So and look at and darling, look at the size of him. Like try stopping yeah. that man mountain. You can stop him this year, so, but back then, <laughs> yeah. So I, I want them to look at that side and think we're not going to put a square peg in the round hole and just go, "That's it, we've done a good job." It's like go get the right peg for that right hole, and you know. And you go back to our two ten side that had a, that had a really good composition of players who were playing genuinely in the position they needed to play. So that's what I want for this rebuild. Yeah, and I think they've, right. they've started that journey in the right direction with that too. You've got a, a young list. You've got a, um, a young, untested coaching panel. I, I think the whole idea is to get them all to gel and, and, and build to something over the next two to three years. And, yep. you know, what you need to pick up on the way through, you, you can address rather than uh, some of the piecemealing that we've been exceptionally good at. Yeah, well, I think you're right. You have to plan it. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's a- it's a, it's a very easy thing to say, but you, you, we are. What, what do we need in the next couple of years? Who's coming up? And then just, just if you have to put all the eggs in the basket to get that one across, do it. Because it, when, it, when it does work, May and Leave Up, perfect example. I can tell you now, Melbourne supporters at that particular stage are going, why are we paying so much for these two? Well, I look behind me now and I've got premiership posters behind me. Yeah, the yeah. two main reasons why we got that are those two. So you've yeah, got to invest a template that, and get that, it right. It's made Hawthorne so successful there. You top up with need and, and keep developing. Oh, they turned uh, Brian Lake into a three-time premiership player, Norm Smith medalist. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah. He's I, a I know, the need. Yeah, you know, and I know he believes if he was there a year earlier, he they, he believes they would have won against Sydney. So I want to build a team that's not just good enough to get there. I want to build a team that's good enough to win. And I think too many times in Collingwood's history, we've built teams good enough to get there. Yep. And unfortunately, they've fallen short to being like that one or two class players short of getting them over the line. So, you know, you look at what Melbourne did last year, they weren't short of one or two class players. You know, they had, I mean, the guy I really sort of credit at Melbourne's gone. Gorn's just a great leader. You know, he's got that 
unrelenting will to pull the side over the line. Yeah. And you can see you need those sort of players in, that, in um, your side. And you can have players who aren't as talented and have that. And it's like, well, hang on, you still need talent. Still well, need the players. Whole, yeah. That was the Richie Vandenberg at Hawthorne. When they first started yeah. coming through, they said, why would you pick this guy as captain? But he just, he just led from the front. Didn't have the yeah. greatest skill base. He said, follow me, boys. And that and line that, in the sand, perfect example of where, you know what, I'll – I'll throw cut lunches and do whatever I need to do and I'll get X amount of weeks, but I'll be in there fighting for you. And you just want somebody who you, you can just jump on their back. That was the same as Nick Maxwell in 2010. He was just fantastic. I mean, very much the same. Like when he was appointed captain, everyone was shaking their heads and then you saw him as captain. You think, geez, he's actually a great leader. Yeah. Um, and he probably saved that drawn grand final. He was that one guy who said, I will do whatever's required to win this. I will even risk losing it just to – rather than stand back here and think, you know, just let it slip away, which um, unfortunately at Colin Grand Finals, which Spook and I have seen too many of, you see side or teams just let the game slip out of their fingers because they don't have those match winners to go, I'll be the one who'll drag us over the line here. All right. um, like Dom Sheed. It was a good kick. Can we just admit it was a good kick? It was an absolute corker. It was yeah. a corker. Yeah, All righty, no, gents. I, I, I love it. Sorry, Spook. Um, no, I was going to say, um, just to, to, to go back to what you were saying about um, building something that's going to be um, sustainable for success, I think the other key takeaway that they need to start learning to do is once they obtain that success is, is how to maintain it. Um, yeah, the 210 side is probably the, the best Collingwood side I've ever seen in my life. And within you know 12 months later, it was dismantled. Um, does that mean that the club just doesn't know what to do when it is when it reaches the summit? Um, what do you do to stay uh, up there? How do you motivate your your list to to keep wanting to continue to succeed? Like Richmond and Hawthorne and Geelong, well, and, you know. I think um, we can answer. You know, Spook and I have seen two grand finals, and both grand finals, both flags, have been the instrument of the co- the club's self destruction. No, both times. Yeah, true. you've got to learn from this stuff, and 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 also, you know, while you're plotting the, uh, this course of success, is is about what you do once you get to there. Yeah. What, what magic do you need to weave to, to keep this group together, keep everybody focused, you know, not over-celebrate in the first uh, 10 minutes after the win, you know, all that type of stuff. No, I think I, it's I, a lot I want them to be successful for a long time. Oh, oh, just oh that, that early one that you said, Spook, the 2010 one was just, that was strange. Yeah, you won that. Coming to 2011, you're getting rid of a guy who's taking you to another grand final. Like that was – um, strange. Um, Hawthorne have on. just done exact. Hawthorne have just done exactly the same thing. Now, how's come that one going to pan out? Come on, mate. Be fair. We're made of premiership coaches. They're just all over the place at Collingwood. We're going to afford to just ditch one. Who cares? <laughs> Alrighty, boys. Listen. No doubt, in all of the Collingwood, I'll say shit that that might be sitting around at the moment. There's got to be a gold nugget in there. There's got to be somebody who's going to be your breakout that nobody has seen. Nobody has heard about. There's got to be who's that person, young or old, that is going to have a year that – if I listened to Sly and Spook at the start, I would have seen this one coming. Jeez, that's a really good question. Spook, I'll let you do this one. I mean, the one that initially <laughs> says no one. to mind, and he, he's not a player that we've seen much of or anyone yep. seen much of, but they do rate that um, Ash Johnson. I think it's Ash Johnson. Yeah, that's actually – Yeah, Ash yeah, Johnson, yep. You know, some of the, the track watchers have been going nuts with some of the things he's able to um, to do. Now, whether that translates to the to the big time, that's that's yet to be seen. But it's it's the one that I'm I'm keen to see what he's capable of. I don't think he's he's played in either of the 
preseason no, he games. Or anything. He's, he's probably injured. I think that's the way that we um, we call him these days. Straight to the infirmary <laughs> or uh, intensive care. We'll guys. sign you up as long as you can uh, hold a pen. You, you get a job at Collingwood. Yep. Um, yeah, but he's the one that's uh, that I'm very keen on. And Poulter's probably another one that um, that, that I quite but liked he, last but year. He, yeah, he showed quite a bit last year. Yeah, and he, yeah, he just looks. He just looks like he's he just wants to be competitive. Yeah. He's just got that face that just says, "I'm having a crack." Yep. Yeah. See ball, get ball. They're the ones you want, and he and yeah. he was touted quite highly. He slid a little bit for you, and thinking that draft as well too. You got him at thirty, which I thought was a little bit lower. I thought he was going to go a little bit higher in that draft. So that's a nice little pickup as well too. He's one ninety two, probably comes in at around about 84, 85 kilos. Perfect just to slot into that midfield or just slot onto a either half back line, half forward line. You've got plenty of plenty of uh, flexibility. Yeah. Unfortunately, though. For every Poulter and for every Ash Johnson, somebody's going to have to break down. Somebody's going to be getting a tap on the shoulder from Flea and say, look, I'm sorry, mate, it's, we're going to have to put you out to pasture. Who's, um, who's last season can you see in the black and white stripes? Cyborg. Oh, uh, yeah, I think that's already begun. <laughs> <laughs> yep. two, two years ago. Yeah. I, I, I don't th- he's, he's struggled since the grand final. Um, or since he's the got a, bit of, a bigger farewell career than Farnham. Yeah. Uh, the other one for me is Jeremy Howe. He's played like 12 games the last two years. Yep. Naturally, we re-signed him. I think we signed him to a nine-year contract. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's a player who really relies on the leap, and he's had a lot of leg injuries in the last two years, so I'd be worried that he's going to lose that spring and, you know, he's just going to become pedestrian. Uh, he's in that age. Yeah, he's in trouble because he's played – his last two seasons got 12 games in total. Yeah. Yet before that, he played eight seasons in a row yeah, of 20 or more games. Oh, yeah, so he was he, unbreakable. Now yeah. he's just broken down. Yeah. I forgot who the player was. The, it was that GWS game where his knee was caved in. So, like, it was actually an impact injury. But since yeah. that, and, t- you know, a lot of players, and they have those sort of injuries, yeah, some other part of their body breaks down because they're compensating in some way. So um, he's the one I'd be pretty worried about this yeah. year. And, 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 he, he and it takes twice as long. 31, yep. he'll be 32 halfway through the season. Yep. So it does take that, twice as long to, yep. to recover from those ones. That's a bit of a say. So what's the headline for Collingwood going to be? If I open up the Herald Sun into the season, turn to the back page, article written by Sly and Spook, what's the Collingwood headline going to be? Um, so would you say end of the season or begin, middle of the season? or we'll just, end of the season. Okay. If you want to put one now and then into the season, go for it. Um, COVID wipes out entire Collingwood list. <laughs> no is way. Now, or is that at the end of the season? <laughs> That'll be during the, the whole season. Uh, uh, some hope for the future. I think we'll finish low, but they'll see enough in players, the younger players, to believe that they're on the right track for the future. Yep. Be concerned. It will be those older guys. If they start dropping off, then you're relying more on those younger guys and, you know, you're exposing them a lot more. So uh, I just think, yeah, it'll, it'll be something pretty pedestrian. I think we're going to have a great year. I think it'll be pretty, you know, a lot of regards, it'll just be middling. Will it be um, similar to last year? I, th- I think the thing, watching that game against GWS, it was like at least we're not going sideways, sideways, sideways and just wondering what, what are we doing here? Uh, so... If we lose, I think we'll lose trying to play a style of game, um, mm. which, you know. Which is what you want, really, yeah. let's be honest. You'd rather go down fighting than go down around the boundary line. That's it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So 
Hopefully, Hopefully get about five or six wins, but um, uh, yeah. it, it's not so much the wins. It's it's just that that sense of development. You want to see something gelling. You want to see it. Yeah. We're going in the right path. We're going in the right direction. I can see a game plan. I can see something different from the Buckley realm. Well, we, finished- we don't start running around in ever-diminishing size circles, I'll be yeah. happy. Well, we did finish <laughs> second last. I mean, there's really only one way to go from there. You, you wouldn't think we're going to get worse. You think there's a few teams who potentially will be worse than us. Uh, so, and I think we'll probably bully a few of the weaker teams, probably have some valiant efforts against some of the better teams, and we'll probably win some, you know, upset game. But overall, yeah, seven, eight wins. Um, and just sort of hope for the future. Nice. All right, boys. Time to put the nuggets on the, the chopping block. We did this last year and we're going to do it again. So. Looking at the realm so far, everything that you've seen, pre-season, pre-season games, who's your premier for 2022? Can be multiple teams and why? Um, so I'll go Collingwood. No, uh, sorry. <laughs> no, I'll actually, I'm going to just go Richmond for the hell of yep. it. I think yep. Melbourne's the best team. My biggest concern is will they be able to keep that hunger there? Uh, the one thing, I, I don't know who your assistant coaches are, but the one thing is Simon Goodwin doesn't come from – like the one thing I'll say about McRae is because he came from the Richmond background and also that Brisbane background, yep. he knows what it's like to have to come up year after year, you know, when they've been successful. So for Melbourne, I wonder if like, like they lose a little bit of the hunger or a little bit of the focus. Yeah, so they've got Adam Uze, who was there during the Hawthorne years. Yep. And Mark Williams, who obviously – Oh, Williams comes from Port Adelaide, so that's great. Yeah, well, actually, Mark Williams seems to have done a lot for Melbourne too. Oh, you don't understand those two guys, what they did. Uh, Williams, from a just you know, development perspective, and from a strategical perspective, say like we needed them, and that's what I think. That's sometimes that's regardless of the you might have the greatest uh, list available, but if you haven't got a game plan or don't have people who can teach that game plan and why we're going this way. We didn't have that. We we had we we had the cattle, but we just didn't have people to back good up. Yeah, yeah we, we saw And then that. they got two people in and it's made a massive amount of difference. Yeah, we saw that in two twelve and yeah. thirteen and fourteen <laughs> and fifteen. <laughs> Sixteen also. So you're going with Richmond, who are you going with Spook? Uh, no, I think uh, your boys will uh, probably do it again. I think, um, but I, yeah, where do, where do you think you'll be? Do you think you'll handle um, winning the flag and what comes with it well? Or uh, uh, yeah, that'd be my only outlier. Would be about how you respond. I, 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 think, I think in think, terms of talent, you should do it easy. Yeah, I, I think from there. a yeah, I think from a the perspective of I've, I've said there's two things that are going to stop us: is injury and the mental side of things. Now, uh-huh. the fact they won it in Perth, they're keen to win one here. We all know that. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they're going to get ahead of themselves because, honestly, what have they got to get themselves ahead of? They've had one grand final win 57 years and they've had a couple of finals appearances in that time as well too. So, yes, you've won one. But like I've said before, you know what's, you know what's better than being a, a premiership player? Two-time premiership player. Hmm. Three-time premiership. That's when you get to that upper echelon. The, this mob will go, oh, we want to be better. We want to be better than Richmond. We want a, we want a dynasty. And they're in the perfect spot to do it. But, yeah, you're right. The mental side of things, that's where I see it maybe. I don't think it'll be as bad as what people think, but I reckon there's going to be an injury or two. They may not win as many games, but I think they'll peak again at the back end as well. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah it'll be interesting. I mean, it'll especially it'll be interesting if, to see. If, uh, but if, if we have more of a, a stable season as well, that'll be a um, that'll help a few other sides. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think if I, I, look, I think we lost four games last year. I don't think we'll. As long as we finish top four, that's all you need to do. Finish top yeah. four, that just makes it a, a lot easier because if you lose that first one, you've, you've got an opportunity to back it up as well too. So. Yeah, what they should really do with the, the, what the premiership, though, is they should just, when you lose a game, the premiership should go to whoever you lost it to. So you should really just give the oh, premiership yeah. to us. Yeah, you, you, you got your fourth grand final, wasn't it? Didn't you protest against when you had won the four in a row, the last one you protested, and then no, they back, played the game and you won it? No, back then the, the system was if you finished on top and you lost, well. yeah, you lost the grand final, you could challenge and yeah. play a rematch. So that's how I think we got about 19 of our grand finals. Um, Smoke if you got them, boys. That's the rule. Yeah, go with we it. Did, we did talk about this once before, um, just to go off on a tangent for a second. Yeah. I think we ended up being pretty even in that. We, we, yeah. I think we challenged a couple and, and won and challenged a couple and lost. Yeah. So it, um, and the only it, it sounded like a far better system. They should bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> Do you reckon the Bulldogs would challenge last year's? Oh, we're thinking more about Collingwood. A lot of seasons would be going into November. <laughs> just, challenge, just keep challenging it again. Just keep Absolutely. going again. Double or nothing. Double or nothing. What's Brownlow the challenge? Do you have a Brownlow medalist? No, I'll go. Yeah, I was actually going to say him. Um, gonna, who'd you say, Spook? Nick Dacos. <laughs> has, has anyone ever won the Rising Star and the Brownlow in, the, in their debut year? I reckon the, uh, if there was one person who would have done it, Brad Hardy. If there was one, because his first season in the, in the VFL, he won it, and he would have won the Rising Star if they had one. So oh, it's, it's no. hard to include. Matt Rowell would have won it if he didn't get injured because he had nine votes after three games. But so there was an opportunity there too. So there's not – besides that, there hasn't been anyone. Probably the closest would be Sam Walsh. Yeah, well, he, yeah, I know he's injured. He's going to miss like the first month or something, but I'm going to go with Walsh. Nice. Nice. Yeah, Coleman no, he, medalist. He, 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 and actually, one other question I've been throwing out at people as well too on the home stretch. What would you rather win, a Brownlow, a coach's award, not the not from your own coach, but the coach's votes award, or the MVP, which the players vote on? As a player. As a player. I'd want to win the coach's award. Yep. Luke, what about you? Yeah, I think there's prestige with the Brownlow, but Certainly. it really is a um, – I think the, the, you know, the MVP and the coach's award's got better integrity behind it. Yep. Um, I think the, the Brownlow's a crock. It's it's got it's got him it's got the prestige, but I mean, you know, you look at for example, two ten when Judd won it, playing for a side that had no other player taking votes from him, and then Swan came second playing for a side where all these other players taking votes from him. So you're always getting disproportionate voting. Yeah. Um, so if they found a way to equalize that, that would be good. But like in terms of the coaches seem to you know, be watching in knowing what they're expecting from each player and what they're doing and how they're impacting. You think that's got a bit more parity in it. Yeah. Well, you'd have to go back as far as 1993, which was probably Gavin Wanganine for somebody who wasn't a midfielder, and 92 and 91, which was Scott Wine and Jim Steins, that wasn't a midfielder to win it. Yeah. Yeah. So what's that, 30 and years? And that's the other problem. It, it really has become a – Midfielders award, and it's really just a pretty much an award for possessions almost. It, it is. Well, when, yeah, if you have a look at the last few wines, Neil, Fife, Mitchell, just they're just accumulators. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but they don't damage. That's the other thing as well, too. Um, 
Last but not least, Coleman medalist. Do you, who's going to be kicking him through the big sticks? Nick Dacos again. I'm That'd be Nick again. I think yeah, he's going for the uh, the trifecta here. <laughs> Jeez, who won it last year? Harry Mackay. Oh, and he's also injured for the first few weeks as well. Yeah, um, I'll go for Joe Danaher. Joe Danaher, come up a few times as well too. All which, right. Uh, which of the King brothers is not injured? Uh, Max. Yeah, I'll go for him. Yeah, come up a few times as well too, guys. You are on the ball. Hey, can I just say Collingwood support? If you're not now, also the Collingwood rant. What have you got in store for your listeners this year? What's uh, what are they going to be looking forward to? What are they going to be able to hear? Any new segments coming up? What's the what's the gist of um, what you're to Gentlemen are going to be rolling out this year. I'm going to do something really different this year. I'm going to be angry and bitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll aim for two bad jokes and uh, that'll be about it. Um, but we actually really, we've completely taken the off season off. Yep. We haven't really discussed too much about what we were thinking of doing. Um, yep. we, we tend to fly by the seat of the pants at the best of times at any rate. So, I mean, some of it will be, um, I think, driven by how the, the season starts and how yep. we, we tactically set up to, to that. I mean, we've been, uh, especially Sly has been critical of everything over the last couple of years. Um, you know, that day that I came over and you'd torn down in your uh, shrine to Buckley, I knew something was up. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think... Um, Look, if it becomes, and I know I must have been, I love those development years that, you know, when you start seeing players coming on, it is engaging, even though you're not winning. And, and that could be um, some of the drive behind some of the rants this year. Oh, you also or, lose a bit of that pressure. Dribble, or we can just dribble shit for an hour and move on. Hey, and if people keep listening, why not? We've, we've dribbled shit for an hour tonight. No, they, I think they're listening. I mean, if we ever find those three people, we'll, we'll have an idea. <laughs> Yeah. We're all in the room together right now. But, uh, look, Collingwood supporters, you, you can't do anything better than don't worry about your 360s. Don't worry about being on the couch. Don't worry about your your late night's football review. This is the show for every Collingwood supporter to be listening to. It is the Collingwood rant. We've got the spookster. We've got the slicer. Gentlemen, I can't thank you more than enough. And that is your 2022 Collingwood season preview. But, gentlemen, I have one last question. and. That is this. Sly and Spook, how do you two gentlemen want your footy? Lace out. Yeah, lace out by, uh, delivered by Nick Dacos. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, gentlemen. I think it's going to be a tough year for the pies, but as long as it puts a smile on your face, that's what it's all about. That's it. Good. You two are happy. Thanks for having us on. Thanks, guys. Nah, appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Lace Out. Head over to iTunes and Spotify to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. And remember, join us every single Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, on our Facebook page with yours truly, Christopher Pepper, and the co-host with the most, Jamie Wallace, giving you your footy how you want it. Face out. <laughs>